Uh, we're speaking with Edward Leung, who is a leader of a localist group uh, called uh, Hong Kong Indigenous. Yes. Yes. Uh, how did you get involved in this, or why did you start this group? Well, actually, I'm not the one who started this group. Oh. Wei Wong was the oh, founder yeah. of this group, and I know Wei, I knew Wei Wong when I was right after the end of the Umbrella Revolution, because he was he was one who who was arrested during the Umbrella Revolution because he made those wooden shields for those fun-like protesters. And I'm one of the frontline protesters, so I use his shoes during the Umbrella Revolution. And after the end, then he started this group, and he felt that um, it was a failure for the Umbrella Revolution because we didn't achieve anything. So he felt that we need to, we still need to, how do you say, to protest, mm. to put pressure on the government by our means, which is not um, peaceful civil disobedience like like the Occupy Central. But we thought that if we want to put pressure on the government, our means our means should be way more radical, so that um, the pressure put on the government would be enough to change some sort of policies. And so for at the start of the last year, um, Hong Kong indigenous initiate quite a lot of protests, like once a week among all those northern districts and in new territories mm. because those were the spots of the uh, smugglers and the parallel trading. And the daily lives of the local residents among these districts were affected heavily because of those smuggling problems. So, um, Wei Wong held quite a lot of protests against those smugglers, and there was a time we we got we we, yeah. we got reported. Did uh, you know back to this uh, wooden shoes? What was the purpose of the wooden shoes? Because we we went to the front line and we need to face the police. Mm. And although we were still um, peaceful protesters at that point of time, we we didn't do anything harmful to the police. We just raised our hands, but the police still beat us. Oh. And that's the point. And if they beat us. Even though we would, wouldn't strike back, but we still need some gears to protect ourselves, right? Because we want to remain our line in, in the protest area. So, yeah. Those so the wooden shoes, shoes, the wooden shoes, wooden shoes protect your feet? Yeah, we're used to protect ourselves oh, against the police. Oh, you would throw them? Uh, if you had to? Well, we won't. At the <laughs> point of time, we won't. Time, oh. We won't do anything harmful to oh. the police. Oh, I see. Because during oh. the Umbrella Revolution, um, there were quite a lot of guidelines and guidance oh, yeah. from the social leaders, and including those protesters around you. Um, even though if you throw a water bottle back in those days, the, the, the other people around you will, oh, will scold you. 
will tell you to stop it, do not do anything harmful to them because it might trigger the police to attack us. So even though we were geared up with our wooden shields, with our helmets, but we didn't do anything harmful. So so the change in tactics, what did you read up on um, political tracks or other, like people say uh, Sharp was one of the political writers who mm. was inspiration for some of the original maybe is it Occupy movement or umbrella mm. movement or was there some other radical uh, more radical Malcolm X Malcolm X, Malcolm oh. X. Oh, wow. because after the end of the whole movement I find quite how to say yeah it was a failure because when we went to the front line to protest when we faced the violence of the police, we couldn't do anything ex- except being beaten up by the police. I witnessed my classmates, my schoolmates being beaten up. I saw blood on their faces. I saw police arrest them. I saw police insult them. And I couldn't do anything. All I could do is to retreat with all the other protesters. How about uh, legal means? Legal yeah, means. Yeah, I mean, sue the police, like? that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's of no use because, yeah, you can make a campaign on the police, but your co- your campaign will go to a department inside the police force. Mm-hmm. Those who 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 are processing the the campaigns are also the police. Only those cases they. They felt that um, it's too obvious with a lot of evidence. We'll go up to the go up to the prosecution process. Oh, so it's of, of no use. Huh. So, th- um, do, do, how about the sole focus on uh, on um, people from China? Do you think? I mean, who are you against from China? Is it? All tourists, or who are the people you're against? Of course not. During the protest, I admit that yeah, there might be some wrong target. They might target some wrong people who are not actually smugglers. That happened. Yeah. But our aim is to focus on the smugglers and the parallel traders. And one. On top of that, our ultimate goal is to take back the, the immigrant policy mm. of Hong Kong on the Chinese immigrants because this immigrant immigration policy is is unfair. 850 pe- one way, uh, 850 people from China can become can go into Hong Kong and become the permanent residents in Hong Kong. Every day. every day and for the screening process the Chinese government will do it all and the Hong Kong government didn't have a say on on this and I think this is a one-way immigration and without the without the consent of the Hong Kong government without the control of the Hong Kong government Hong Kong government would not even know the background of those immigrants they could only accept it so this is really unfair and what we want to do is to is 
that we want the Hong Kong government to take back the control on this immigration policy. Because on the other hand, it is unfair to the Im immigrants from elsewhere in, elsewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, you yourself came from China. Yes. So do you see there's a is there a contradiction in your the party's policy? Not really. I came from China, but I could still support that Hong Kong government should have the control on this immigration policy because the nature of this policy is unfair and no matter what, no matter who, where I come from, the unfairness of this policy doesn't change. And you, you, you definitely identify as Hong Kong Yang. Yes. Uh, how, when did that Indeed. process happen? When did how, that how did process happen? happen? And when and how, I guess, yeah. I think it happened when I was, when I was young, when I was really young, because when I came to Hong Kong, when I was one year old, my mother told me that um, I, yeah, she just told me to learn Cantonese very naturally. She didn't, she wouldn't talk to me in, in Mandarin, even though her Cantonese wasn't that good at that point of time. But when we moved to Hong Kong, she started to learn Cantonese and communicated with me in Cantonese. So my identity as a Hong Konger was built up when I was very young. And yeah, I, I was educated here. Yeah. And all of my core values, my social network, my community, yeah, all my knowledge was shaped in Hong Kong. So I want. Yeah, so, so when I grew up, I just want to pledge my. How to say? I just want to pledge my loyalty, or I just want to contribute to this society, Hong Kong, but not somewhere else. Did you, uh, did you keep any of your local dialect from Wuhan or whatever? No, no, no actually. No, yeah. <laughs> because even, yes, because first my mother wouldn't communicate with me oh, in Mandarin yeah. and when I was in school, back in those days, in 1990s, Mandarin wasn't that, how to say, people wouldn't emphasize the importance of learning Mandarin and when I was in school, <laughs> people wouldn't really, really learn it, people just used the lesson of uh, we call it Putonghua. People would, would just use the lesson of Putonghua to do their own homework and they wouldn't really pay attention to it. So, the, so you think, uh, is that in danger now? Is Guangdonghua in danger of being eclipsed? Yeah, it's also the problem of policy, like the problem of the immigration policy. The unfairness of the education policy of or this Chinese language policy is that they are guiding our next generation to use Mandarin to learn Chinese, mm -hmm. but not our mother tongue Cantonese. Because for more than 70% of the primary schools and more than 60% of the secondary schools are using Mandarin to teach Chinese. And this policy is unfair because 
the why those schools started to establish those Mandarin cars is because um, the governments started to fund this policy by giving 1.4 million Hong Kong dollars per school for them to support this policy. I, I thought there was a campaign that uh, Joshua Wong led against national education. Yes. And that that was pushed back, but, but it didn't totally succeed. Yes, it didn't yeah. succeed, but but for the other different aspects in education, you could still sense the control of the government and the hidden political agenda as to introduce Mandarin to replace Cantonese in, chi in, in learning Chinese and to introduce simplified, chi simplified Chinese to replace traditional Chinese. They are, they are now implementing this policy to introduce uh, simplified Chinese for all primary students. And if this tendency remains, the Hong Kong, the education of Hong Kong will, will soon become like this. the policy in Guangzhou or in Sanzhen. The But uh, Cantonese is still an official language, right? No, not actually. In Chinese is our official language, but not necessarily Cantonese. But in the past, it was interpreted as Cantonese. Right. Yes, people interpret because it was very natural. Our mother tongue is was is Cantonese, so people just regard the official language Chinese as Cantonese. But it's not the truth because they didn't really um, how to say clearly state that our Chinese, our official one, is Cantonese. So they make some change in our educational policy and if this tendency remains that mm. people might not regard um, the status of Cantonese as important as nowadays or before. Because I had a student, uh, there was a student at my school that came from Hong Kong and he would write papers and he would say Chinese and then I asked him what do you mean by Chinese mm. and he said it's Cantonese and so he, he he, he, he assumed that Chinese was Cantonese yes. for somebody from Hong Kong. And yes. uh, so you think that would change? Uh, it's the trying to change. Um, few days, few, one week ago, I attend a forum and there was a secondary five student who came to the forum and said, um, He's also she 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 was she also thought that she also thought that um, this tendency is going strong, uh, the tendency of learning Mandarin and using Mandarin in daily lives in school, because he witnessed that for quite a lot of secondary one secondary two students who who were the first generation to receive the Mandarin education. Mm. And those students, during their daily dialogue, they would suddenly change Mandarin for, s for some times, and then change back to Cantonese, and then change back to Mandarin. That was the way of their usual dialect. And so the, 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 the secondary five students said that this tendency is getting common in her school. Oh. 
and this is this is not that surprising because those students, I mean, those who received Mandarin Chinese education, were were they received this education for more than six years. The policy started in two hundred and eight, two hundred and eight, and yeah, it. Eight years already passed, oh, yeah. and those who received entirely six years Mandarin education now became the seventy-one or seventy-two students. So this yeah. phenomenon is is actually common. You know, I was um, impressed that in your talk uh, at the June Fourth Forum here at Hong Kong U, you mentioned that um, it could be somebody else who it. Succeed you, I suppose, that you don't have to be doing this forever. Yes. Um, do you? Um, so I was actually impressed that you're willing to do that. That you're not here for forever. I mean, to yeah, do this the same stuff. I mean, to do the because same stuff. Because I witnessed, I witnessed quite a lot of decline of social leaders oh, in yeah. Hong Kong. You know, uh, I I do not mean to attack him, Joshua Wong. Yeah, yeah. Like Joshua Wong was a very young student leader, right? very young social leader. He was like a hero yeah. back in the old days. But <laughs> the old days. <laughs> yeah, like for half and a year before during the Umbrella Revolution, he was still a he was still a hero. But nowadays you see you can see quite a lot of criticisms on him. Yeah. And he he doesn't have he doesn't have the same Influence or the leadership or the power, like before. Is is the criticism over his uh, his uh, traveling abroad to talk to or what? What's the criticism? Not really, um, it's about his political ideology. Mm. Because people criticize him as let's say changing his political ideology too frequently. Without, without a trace, people oh. criticize him for that. Like a year before, in July, yeah. July of 2015, when people, when some, during a forum, when people questioned him about his identity, um, whether you're a Hong Konger or a Chinese, he replied that I'm a Chinese and I. Yeah, and when people ask him about his his view on Hong Kong independence, he said it's of no use. Um, it's only how to say it's only some slogan, and it will fade away. Huh. That was his sense. But like one year after, when. When more and more people started to know more about localism, know more about Hong Kong nationalism, know more about why Hong Kong people, why some of us would would think that independence is the best choice of Hong Kong, then he changed his stance. And for now, like one a month ago, if you ask Joshua, he would say that hey, his identity changed from. Chinese to a Hong Konger, and his view on independence changed, and he now advocates self self determination, and independence is one of the choice. Yeah. 
So people, we got that his view, his ideology is changing with the chase before the election. Oh, I see. So, yep, his influence, yes, is actually changing. And after witnessing all these, the decline of a lot of social leaders, including those older pandemics leaders. Then I knew that politics change very, very frequently, and yeah, even though right now I may have some supporters, people might have hope on me, but maybe very soon, like a year after, or I don't know when, people yeah. might started to hate me. Might started, <laughs> people might started to criticize me if I. If I do something wrong or if I make some stupid decision, so do you, do you, yeah. <laughs> uh, at the forum, you got the most laughs. I think when you said that, if you just read what you saw on Facebook and believed all the all the news feeds, then you might have thought you would have won. You won yeah. the election. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you did win. Uh, I mean, you did gain sixty-six uh, thousand yes. votes. Plus votes. Yes. Were you surprised at that, or? Yes, of course I was. Oh. Of course I was. I, I didn't, I didn't think that I may get that that many votes because after the Mong Kok incident, and I thought that hey, people might not accept me because my means are is, is maybe too radical for the general Hong Kong people. They may not accept it. They may not accept me. And but surprisingly, more and more people started to help me. Became the volunteers of the election. And because of the support of all those volunteers, the campaign was so successful. Do you, Do you think this is a class difference between the uh, Occupy movement and the other? Uh, earlier movements. Is this more uh, working class support? Are you getting more working class support? Yes, indeed. Most of the votes are those working class people or grassroots people. Um, but I don't think it was because of the umbrella revolution. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, it's different. It's yes, different. Yeah. So, so in terms of the, you, you referenced the Mong Kok uh, protests. Yes. What happened there? Was it, was it uh, because were you upset that the police were cracking down on vendors, or uh, what? What happened there? Yeah. Well, um, a year before, we helped some hawkers to to sell food in Mong Kok, oh. and a year after, that means two few months before, in Lunar New Year, and those hawkers couldn't couldn't do the same as one year before. Because they said that the police and a lot of officials were there to stop them selling food, so they could only um, they could only sell set up their store in in some in some in some in some how to say yeah not inside Mong Kok, but well all in all they couldn't do so they couldn't do as the same as one year before. So one of the hawker messages called us before the Lunar New Year and told us that it and asked us if we could help them again this year. So we went out again 
and we help them to set up their stores. We help them to. We try to protect them from the officials. So the officials we treated, the police, the the PPRB, I mean the public relation of the police, told us that um, if you guys stay here and do not do anything harmful to anyone, then you may, then everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. Then we wouldn't do anything further action on you. Then yeah, we started to enjoy our food. Then more and more people came. But like one hour later, this is suddenly, about midnight or near midnight. About midnight. About midnight. One hour later, after the 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 words of the PPRB, a troop of the police suddenly came in with one with shields with a with a core, how to say, gold tower, Zivai tower, command 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 tower. And uh, this then, the this the riot squad. Yeah, the riot yeah. squad. They wear helmets. They use um, one shields. They have the batons. They have pepper spray. They march in suddenly, like thirty thirty something of them marching suddenly. Then some people went forward to try to argue with the police and to say that and to say that hey, we were we were just here to enjoy our food. We didn't do anything. But then some confrontation. Some conflicts broke out. I I didn't know why because I was I was on the side road to enjoy to enjoy my food. I was yeah I was eating but you were eating yeah I was eating but suddenly some some conflicts broke out and the police started to use pepper spray started to started to beat people. Then we found that hey this is unacceptable because that violates the words of the PPRB. Like in an hour before, so we also went forward, tried to argue with the police, but of course they didn't. They didn't give us any response. They just told us to retreat, told us to leave, and we thought that this is un that was unacceptable. So we tried to gather our group members, wear up our blue hoodies, and we went to the very first line of. The crowd, and then the police retreat like for, they retreat for like 50 meters. Then they change to another squad, another troop, like about 50 to 800 white police who were all geared up with all white gears, with long, with long rectangular shields, with all helmets, pepper spray. And the, the commander stepping on the command tower, yeah, use a use a uh, alarm system to tell us to tell us that you guys are having an unlawful assembly here, so you must retreat in five minutes. If not, we will do further action. So we went to the very first line and we hear about this announcement and we. We have we had two choices at that point of time. We could retreat to to stop this confrontation, and we could tell our hawker that we couldn't do anything to help you because the white police is here. We could do so, but we still have the second choice: is that stand firm and ready for the confrontation. And yeah, we chose the latter option. 
then in when he was counting down like four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, and when he started the, when it was one minute left, then we told ourselves that hey if we yeah they may march in to beat us, hey before they march in we just bomb in. We just what? We just bomb into their shields formation. Throw and, stuff. Yeah. We didn't throw anything at that point in time. We were just on the front line just and moved, we okay. started to move forward yeah. and to yeah, had a confrontation with the So why, why were you arrested? People at the back yeah. started to. Oh, I see. Why did? Why were you arrested? Why were I were arrested? Um, they charged me as wiretap. And I was arrested after the first confrontation, after we retreat, then we, after we retreat from the Putland Street, we went to a crossroad, then people had another uh, confrontation with the traffic police oh. in the crossroad. Then I was one of them, and then hmm. I was arrested after the police shot two bullets in the air. Oh right, yeah. And yeah, the pawn that was very important because people were beaten up, people started to retreat, then they had the confrontation with the traffic police. And then after the traffic police shot two bullets in the air, the protesters at the front line because they they couldn't they couldn't how to say they couldn't be sure about where the bullets come from and where did, where did the bullets go? They couldn't see how how did the police oh, yeah. aim at anything? I don't know. They shot in the air. Yeah, yeah they shot in the air, but people didn't know. But people, yeah. but people wouldn't know because yeah, yeah, yeah. we we could only sense that uh, we could only hear the voice and to smell the gunpowder, but hmm. we didn't. We couldn't acknowledge, hey, where did the bullets so go? So you were so close, you could smell yes, it. We, we were so close. And then people started to get angry. People started to get very, very angry because they sense that, hey, the police already shot two bullets. That means some people might get hurt yeah. or people might get killed. That means the police is using real firearms. And we could, yeah, we, we, we also have two choices. We could go back home or to, to strike back. Do, do you, th uh, are you worried about the trial coming up or? <laughs> a little bit, seriously, yeah. a little bit. Because the sentence was, is quite harsh. It's heavy, yeah. It's quite harsh. How, quite many, how many years? Or? If I didn't admit anything, and then if I am convicted, the minimum sentence is five years. Wow. Do you, uh, is there a good uh, legal system that you can rely on? Or, I mean, are they good lawyers or are they, are they all volunteers or what, what, where do you get them? Uh, volunteers. Yeah. Volunteer, uh, volunteer lawyers. And Does your party have their own lawyers or you have to find them? Or <laughs> on a case by case, we don't have. Uh, yeah. It's case case by case, and because a lot of people were involved in this in this trial, and oh yeah, not just a lot of people members. were arrested. Like thirty something of them were charged. 
So the legal fee to cover all the protesters is quite huge, and we are still worried about it. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I've been fighting against uh, government surveillance back in the U.S. And um, so I was wondering, how do you, as an activist, how do you keep the government from knowing what you're doing? Or do you just expect them to know everything? <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. My phone, my, my computer, my network might be monitored. And I'm not surprised that if they are doing so because well, sometimes when I was talking on the phone and I could I could hear the the weird voices, the weird sound inside mm. my phone. So did they confiscate your phone when you were arrested? Um, no, because I was clever. I feel I feel out all my things to somewhere else before oh. before the protest okay, because, yeah. because I knew that yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to do some preparation oh, that's good. before yeah. <laughs> yeah. so how about uh, what do you think of the idea of you know putting stuff out on Facebook and all that do you think the the government must be monitoring everything right yes indeed so you do you think the uh, publicity uh, you know getting out to the, your supporters overweighs the fact that uh, government may actually spy on people yeah, I've, I mean the publicity or the media coverage is the only thing that could protect us, the activists. And but for the mon for the monitor, you you couldn't stop it. You you could only use some um, some app like yeah. Telegram, which is relatively better protected, but. It's still not safe enough. So I, I heard there's a app that activists were using before to talk to among themselves during the protest mm. that doesn't go very far. Telegram, is it a telegram? fire track. Fire track. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think that is that useful. Mm. It, if they want to monitor your messages, your messages, your phones, your calls, I don't think it's hard to do so for. For the whole regime, because but the, but WhatsApp. How about WhatsApp? They they recently they claim they encrypt everything. Uh -huh. But have have the government actually requested all the WhatsApps uh, communication among certain people? According to the figures, the police had the, the police would apply for to how to say for the for the investigation about the about the content of the internet, of the messages. The figure is like 1,000 something per year. 1,000 something cases per year. It includes WeChat. Include well, WeChat and WhatsApp. Or? Yes, I see. all included. And is there anything else beyond the figures? I do think that there is. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Um, you're studying now at uh, Hong Kong U. Are you? Uh, what's your major? Uh, poli sci. Oh, philosophy. Oh, no, not political science. Not political science. Oh, okay. Yeah. Politics. The subject is called politics and public administration in Hong Kong U. Yeah. And I'm doing a minor. Oh, minor. Yeah. Major in philosophy. Do you find the university supportive of activism or? Very supportive. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very, very supportive. Oh, yeah. 
my department actually. Okay, how to say? Um, had some things to say about my words because, like for this semester, this second semester, during the start of the semester, I joined the student strike movement in Hong Kong you to protest against the Alphali who is you know Alphali who is the university council chairman oh, in yeah. Hong Kong you we protest against him because he he rejected the the appointment of our 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 vice our our assistance of the vice chancellor because of some silly political reasons the law school dean yeah yeah and we had a student strike we had a class boycott like for the first half of our semester then after the class boycott after the protest against Alphali I need to engage in the election so for more than a half of my semester I didn't go to school but my department helped me quite a lot. They helped me to 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 inform. They helped me to inform the professor. They helped me to graduate. They helped me to arrange my schedule. They try all they could have to to help me to graduate. So you don't have to drop out. Yeah. So did you graduate already or? Not really. And I still have one summer semester to go, oh. and actually they helped me to arrange it because oh, yeah. I need those credits to graduate. So How, what would you do after that? After you, that, what uh, would you plan to do? Election again. Oh yeah. Very very likely. Oh because, yeah. Run again. Yeah. Yeah, because because yeah, the votes I've got in the by election was quite a lot, and people had had hope on me, they expect me to do something inside the right. electrical. So I want to test myself. Yeah. <laughs> See how much support you get. Yes. Yeah. Well good luck. Thank, Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Bye bye.